All right, Luke, let's get honking because I am pissed this week. Why is there never a story in the news where geese come out of the good guys? Well, I'd argue that this week they do come out as the good guys, but unfortunately the good guys that they are are also the victims. So Mm. I want to see, like, you're right, though, because I do want to see a story like Goose saves baby from burning car or Goose jumps out a three-story window with a baby in his beak, you know? Yeah. I've heard of both those things happening before. I knew geese that it happened to. You did too, Luke. I never read no human story about that bullshit. Especially nothing with a headline like some geese were removed from Bird Park with the support of a goose task force and a new group sued to stop them. Thank you, new group, but also fuck people in general for all of this because there are three sides. Only one of them is pro-goose in this situation. (sighs) Well, let's see what we got here going on in Richmond. (gasps) That's Virginia. All right. So, first off, it's a real strong start. They call us plumped-winged birds, which... That's offensive. You know, we're both... Yeah, that's very offensive. We're both pretty fit geese here. You know, maybe we got some geese bods, but at the end of the day... And I do want to say my body is at least... My goose body is at least 30% air. Like, how do you think I fly, stupid human? Yo, I take pride on how many feathers I have. I have the perfect feather-to-bone ratio. I'm not some plumped wing bird. You fucking... Ugh. Mm. Mm. All right, so... But for more than 40 years, these geese, both Canada geese and domestic geese, have made this park their kingdom waddling around what's the name of that park wait real quick just oh. this is a, a people it's a you're public right. park you're but right what is the name of that park just to preface bird bird park okay. hmm. granted it's spelled hmm. with a y but it's still bird park hmm. so you oh. assume that means the park belongs to the birds, the birds. right yeah and listen apparently to fucking not listen to how heated this language is in this article waddling around, opening their beaks for white-bred humans that can't stop them from tossing, pooping out gluten-filled pieces over the sidewalks that park regulars run on. Uh, Yeah, because you're right, lady who wrote this article. The geese who accept the free food are the ones to blame, not the idiots handing out the food that is actively deteriorating these geese. Yeah, giving them angel wing syndrome that... Causes a deformity, which makes us not able to fly. Hey, but at yeah. least this article fucking sucks. calls out that we're illiterate. That's nice. That just hurt, honestly. Like, I know we're pretty indignant about the rest of this, but that one just really struck me. That struck me deep because, you know, it's it's a stereotype in the geese community and the goose community that geese are the dumbest of the birds. When everyone fucking knows that's pigeons... Look, I worked very, very hard to learn how to read, especially once we became humans. Luke, I know you and I, we both went to the library for weeks. Hooked on phonics worked for me. Dude, exactly. And that's not even to mention the fucking three days it took for us to find the entrance because we couldn't read the fucking (laughs) signs. We worked so hard, and so many other geese who are still stuck as geese work so hard to learn how to read, and... They put up signs telling these people to don't feed the geese or that human food is bad for the geese. Like, the geese are the ones that are supposed to read it? She puts the onus on us? And to then be the ones to make the change here? And to summarize this article, their issue isn't with the geese. It's with the fact that they have to see geese shit. Geese are gonna poop no matter where they get the food from. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. And, you know, we were talking about this beforehand, Luke. There's been, with this geese, I'm sorry, with this goose management task force that has been around for somewhere in the range of the last 15, or no, sorry, last 10 years, they've spent more than than the last year studying these geese and have offered 16 solutions to this city on how to better manage these geese. The way this article puts it, though, is very telling because they say that also translates to 16 ways people halt or... 16 ways to halt the people from feeding these geese (laughs) and that's not the problem like you're saying geese are gonna eat whether it's white bread whether it's human remains they're gonna eat and they're gonna shit so 
maybe step one shouldn't be stop feeding the geese. It should maybe be let's get these geese healthy. Introduce yeah. some some nuts, some berries, mm-hmm. maybe some straight up goose feed stations, yeah, yeah. and then step two. Make it illegal to feed the geese anything else. Find the people who do, and threaten repeat offenders with jail time. You know, like obviously it has to be um, the appropriate amount of jail time. You don't. Yeah, so like nothing under months, ten years. Oh wait, what? Obviously, we were going different directions there, but you know, I kind of respect it. You're right. Nothing under ten years, unless you stop feeding these geese. Um, but basically a wholesale culling of the geese, which is what we have here. Let's be honest about it is not the solution. It shouldn't even be your 17th solution. That should be like plan double Z where 52 solutions deep. And these geese have straight up declared war. It's time to murder them. Obviously I would still side with the geese then, but if we're going into all out war, Murder's legal. And I do want to talk about who our opposition would be if we do go into that war. Anne-Marie McCartan, who has chaired the Goose Management Task Force in Richmond for over 10 years, said that the main problem her city has ignored for a long time is leaving geese to scrounge for white bread for their diets. One, I don't know a single goose that's ever been like, hmm, what do I want to eat today? White bread. Yeah, you know what sucks by itself? Fucking white bread. You know what sucks even more? Wet white bread. Yeah. Touched by white people. Ugh. Don't even get me started. Mm -hmm. And you know what? Honestly, here for a second, I do agree with our our girl, Anne-Marie. She's right. That is a pretty big problem. I just laid out a pretty good solution for how the city could fix this. But then she goes on to say, I don't think that there needs to be a public hearing about removing these geese. Which there wasn't. The city just decided they were going to go in with this little task force and remove these geese. And she goes on to say these geese aren't actually here for the pleasure of people. And the park is there only for the pleasure of people. So, hmm. Well, last time I checked, the world is here for the pleasure of people. And look what they've done with that environment. Are we sure we want to leave this park up to them? That's a great point. Here's the other thing. Um, the geese were there first. Eight. Literally, natural beings existing in their natural habitat is what's happening here. And it's these fucking usurpers, these fucking, I don't want to say colonizers, but it's the only word I can think of that are coming in and they're taking this lake and they're trying to run all. Well, I'm saying no. I, I, fly, I used to fly south for every summer. So, yeah, I leave the city I'm in. Anne-Marie, if you want this lake so bad, why don't you build a house there? The first thing I do when I land at a new lake is build a house there. If you want it to be your part, build a nest. Well, I think there are. I think there are. I, I haven't seen a layout of the park, but my understanding is that there are houses built around it. So I understand, you know, they want to claim this area for their own. You know, there are people who live across the street who look out into the park. But, you know, fun fact, those people pay Richmond taxes. Oh. And only the residents of Bird Park got a say, meaning our good friend Anne-Marie and her task force got a say in removing these geeses. Not the people that live directly across the street. There's no canvassing. There's no going door to door. Nothing like that. They were willing to go behind their backs and just remove these geese wholesale simply for, quote-unquote, the good of the people. And to quote our friend Wendy Walters from the article here, if the city is willing to go behind our backs and make decisions for the public about geese, what on ourselves are they lying about us to? And while I agree 100% with Whitney, I do want to take a somber moment here and stop and say if this middle-aged, I'm assuming middle-aged woman is questioning her government for the first time because of geese i have suddenly become a lot more worried for not only the geese in bird park but all the people Mm. and i think that the city's response here is really just the best way to leave this as an indicator of where this is probably going hint it's likely not good so the city was reached out to multiple times 
they were not given or they didn't give any comment on the situation whatsoever other than directing people to the two news releases from September 25th and October 16th about when these goose roundups were happening. And, you know, it just, it really says something about what a pussy-ass city government Bird Park has when they're unwilling to comment on the decision that they felt was so fucking important they had to ram it through and make the decision behind everyone's back they couldn't even back it up with any sort of comment on why or how or do they feel bad obviously not i i did hear greg popovich say something about that the other day welcome to the unruly goose podcast Alright Luke, so I've been trying to ignore it for five weeks now, um, but I gotta ask you something. Hit me. What the fuck is up with The Bachelorette this season? Bruh, it is the most dramatic season of The Bachelorette yet, as they say oh, every fucking year. I don't year. like that voice. <laughs> like recut. I don't like that. <laughs> <laughs> No, I mean like keep like I, like keep going. I was just no. I'm. I mean, as I feel, I liked it. I was. Yeah. Well, Grant, it's another wild ride on the most dramatic season yet, as they say every fucking year. One thing I so this year they brought in this girl named Claire who was on it a couple seasons ago. I guess I just started watching like two or three seasons ago, but she's thirty nine. So they did this because the past couple. Whoa, whoa, whoa! Hold up! Hold up! The last time I watched The Bachelorette and The Bachelor and The Bachelorette, they were like mid twenties, maybe. Oh, yeah, yeah. What? And it had been like thirty nine, right? Thirty nine. So, and there's there's a couple great points to touch on that in our recap. But the past couple seasons of The Bachelor had been and Bachelorette had been just all these like twenty one to twenty eight year olds clearly just wanting clout and maybe wanting to like find someone to be on Instagram with for half a year and then break up and then go do something else. Um, so they wanted to bring Obviously, in this... As one does. Yeah, yeah. So as attractive American people that live in California and off their parents' money do. Um, but yeah, so they brought in this 39-year-old to reset everything to kind of hit the flip, hit the switch. They, like, no, no new people. She was from a couple seasons ago. And all the guys are about her age, and she has been the most self-centered. This is my bachelorette. This is my show. Everything here is happening for me, person, I have ever seen. So she's... But Luke, Luke, where's the lie, though? She's not wrong. I mean, last time I checked, there's two people in a relationship. And so there's usually, yeah, like... Yeah, there's 30 fucking people on this show, so, like... Well, yeah, but there's usually, like, some give and take of, like, Oh, I'm here to meet you. You're here to get me to know me better. Let's do this. She'd be like, "You didn't research me." She sent a guy home because she, he was like, "Yeah, I didn't really look you up before the bachelor." She was like, "You didn't take the time to know about me before you got here," and then sent him home. Bro, what? The second week. That's literally what a dumb. Hold up. Before we go on anymore, I'm gonna stop stopping you so much but first of all what a stupid cunt because literally the point of the bachelor and the bachelorette is to find a bunch of strangers and let them fall in love by getting to know each other in person yeah yeah i what the fuck hmm. what the fuck and it was just all about her so the first date they're they're filming this all in palm springs they had to they're at some big resort there the first date she was like 
these are love languages. I want you guys to all love me in each one of these love languages. So I'm going to stand on this tower and you're going to compliment me. We're both going to put on masks and make out for a little. I want you to give me a gift. What? I want you to run back to your room and find something to give me. And then I want you to tell me what you like about me. Oh, man. This season of The Bachelorette would have become Making a Murderer Season 3 so quick if I was on there. Yeah. Like, unbelievably but fast. don't this worry. This woman would have been like... You wouldn't have oh had a God. shot because this one dude named Dale... Well, I don't know about that. Well, I, none, none of Dale. the dudes had a shot, and they all told her about <laughs> it. So this dude named Dale gets off the fucking limo, and she turns to Chris Harrison and goes, That's my husband. It's like, do you want to talk to Ugh. him first? They they were showing a recap on that episode I was watching Ugh. today, and Dale was like, oh, yeah, I had to ask for a number when we left. Dumb. But didn't – wait, hang on. He had to ask, didn't they have some big brouhaha where the season didn't start on time, but they released all these people, so, like, they definitely were in touch beforehand and have oh, just been lying about yeah, it? So, so they announced the cast in – a pandemicless world, which as they normally do, and then they had yeah. to stop shooting before they had started, but the list was already out there. So Claire admitted on the show she went and looked up all of these people, and she was like, "Oh yeah, I like Dale the best from that, but I swear on my father's grave, I haven't talked to him." You fucking lying! Oh no! Yeah. So it it all came to a head. Because she would be on these group dates where you're supposed to spend like five, ten minutes with a dude and then go on to the next one and literally be making out mm -hmm. in a room with Dale. Like someone had to go knock on the door and awkwardly tear them apart and be like, Claire, can I talk to you? But there's this one dude from like Alabama. So another thing she did was made them play strip dodgeball. Like you, you throw – well, because it, it was hilarious. They had made it out. It, it was definitely only going to be dodgeball. And then, because they, like, made a sign that was like, The Bachelor, dodge, The Bachelor at Dodgeball. And then Claire was introducing oh, no. it, and she was like, You know what? Let's make it strip dodgeball. And, like, wrote on that sign, like, did a carrot and wrote strip. So she made, like, half the dudes walk back naked. One of the dudes didn't take it well. And was like, you're completely disrespecting me. I can't believe you humiliated all these dudes like this. And you're only talking to Dale. And she was like, she like, he, he made some good points, but he's, I mean, he's not he's wrong. He's a piece of shit too. But she was like, well, the, it, she was basically like, it's all about me. And it ended up with him yelling at her. That's what I expected from the oldest bachelorette ever. So. Yeah, that seems a little... That's not even a good insult, man. Right. Like, come on. So it it was not like going well. So hold up, I guess I gotta stop you real quick because I'm looking at the cast list. I know I'm getting a little ahead of ourselves, but oh yeah, guess guess who about this Noah. Was. Oh, tell you about Noah. Tell me about Noah. I I will tell. I want to know about, about the Noah. spiky hair, mustachio, Oki. Well, that that tells you all you need to know about him. But uh, while, while I'm telling you about... No, no, that's not... So Noah is one of the guys that came on because... So they ended The Bachelorette. They were like, all right, Claire, look. You're either going... Like, th this isn't sustainable. All the dudes know it's all Dale. They, like, even had, like, a roast date where all the dudes just roasted Dale. It was it was great. But um, that sounds... Oh, man, I really want to be on the season of The Bachelorette right? now. Everything that's happened sounds like stuff I'd be into. Mm -hmm. Berating people, yeah. roasting dudes. Strip dodgeball. I'm here for it. Like, um, <laughs> strip dodgeball? Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah. So they were like, all right, this isn't sustainable. Do you, What do you want to do? She was like, well, I love Dale, so I guess I want to get engaged to him. So they went over to Dale, and they were like, hey, she loves you. And he was like, yeah, I love her too. And they were like, want to pop the question tonight? And he was like... <laughs> Yeah, I did. so they got engaged that night, and then oh. she didn't even. This is week four, by the way, right? Yeah, week four or week five? Week four. Week four. This week was week five. Um, she didn't even tell all the other guys they were going home. She, Chris what? Harrison, walked in and was like, "Claire is now engaged to Dale." If you want to stay on the show, you need to come back here fully dressed tonight. 
And then they, like, had her come in a little bit later, like, after that and apologize because all these th- these guys were like, you wasted our time. What? Like, we, we quit jobs for this. 100%. Yeah, we're, we're, we're yeah. not 21 to 28-year-olds. We quit real jobs to come do this. Um, but, yeah, so then... What the fuck? So she had already sent home, like, four people, so they brought four more people back in, and that is where Noah has came. And so he got the spotlight in this last episode because he kept trying to crash other oh, dates. Yeah. He's a like traveling nurse or some Aww. shit. And when he walked out of the limo, he, he put his uh, stethoscope on and put it up to Tasha's heart and was like, I just want you to know where my heart is from the beginning. Uh, and it, I don't want to hear any more about Noah. It, I don't like him nearly as much as I thought I no, would. No, he's a fuck. Keep telling me about week five. I don't want to hear any more about Noah. Noah sucks. Hashtag we hate yeah, Noah. Yeah. So anyway, we're here and like Tasha just walked in <laughs> and was like, Hey guys, I'm Tasha. And they were like, Cool, I guess we'll start this whole thing over again. And then they surprised them That's all with so the limos. Insane. But we do have a couple great characters. Bennett, my guy here, is a 36-year-old wealth management consultant from New York City. He has, like, his own room, has, like, two fireplaces in it and all his bougie-ass shoes sitting out. He's very hit or miss. I like what? him a lot. Um, we have Blake Monis. He sounds like a guy you would like. Yeah. He, not, yeah. <laughs> um, Blake Monis. We got Wreck-It Ralph over here. Um, we had... I don't. I mean, I. I guess I see what you're saying about him. I. I don't see the Wreck It Ralph. He looks like a thick boy though. So I guess if that's what you're saying. Yeah, I mean, Wreck It Ralph anyway, doesn't have a beard, but other than that, his face is the same shape. Um, we got Chase. I think you're right. That's what's doing it. God, what a stupid name! What a stupid. Like, did he mean to add the Chasen spelled C H A S E N? An IT account executive I, from San Diego. Yeah, dumb. Dumb. Stay classy, San Diego. He's also got a real dumb-looking face. Looks like he was never taught how to smile properly. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I know y'all can't see this, but just trust us. These people look stupid. Another person to point bad. out is Kenny. Our man is 39. He is a boy band manager from Chicago. <laughs> but What's that, that that's what it says. But on, what boy band? on today's episode, Taisha was like, so what do you do? And he was like, oh, I book artists for a venue. So how did it get from oh, book artists for a venue in Chicago where there's probably millions of venues and you'd probably do it at someone out in like Schaumburg or something? But how do you go from yeah. venue booker Chicago to boy band manager? What? Well, my guess is he's got like a local shitty act on retainer and also then books at... Old Mama's Grill and Barbecue, that is, granted, a venue, but also is going to be hosting, like, bar mitzvahs and weddings mm-hmm. next weekend. So, really, a, a venue, but only by, like, that right, much. Right, But, oh, and while we are on the page of contestants, this guy, Zach J down here, I feel terrible for this dude. Um, he is one of the dudes that got sent home, so I'm going to have you hunt for the other two while I'm saying this. So go through and pick out of these pictures who you think the other two that got sent home Wait, were. the other two or the other three? I think there's three. I just don't remember the third one. But there may only be two. I don't think she okay. sent anyone home on the first night. I've just spent so much of the time got- with... there. There's two I know that were sent home, and I know okay. where they are. So we okay. so them. find I'll those two... It may be a maybe, or it may be one I know still here. But Zach J., my man down here, owns a cleaning service in Utah, so probably a Mormon. He looks like such a wholesome man. Right, right. So Claire took him on a one-on-one date. He looks like such a nice person. Yeah, he was great. He treated her super respectfully. He, um, They were, like, swimming together, and they were sitting on the stairs with that little swim bar, you know, between it for, like, people to walk out of the pool, you know, that thing. So Claire leans over to kiss him. And goes like 90%. Like, you know the hitch, like, I go 90, you meet me. Yeah, she goes like 90, but like, he couldn't lean over the bar. So he was like leaning as far forward as he could already. And so their lips didn't touch. And it was the most awkward thing ever. And she was like, why didn't you want to kiss me? 
like, Claire, shut the fuck up. I hate her. You want to know what makes it better? I hate her so, so much. So that was on a one-on-one. No. So they go to dinner after uh-huh. the one-on-one, right? Uh-huh. She doesn't even show. She just sends Chris Harrison. Literally, why why did they give her the chance to get engaged? Why were they like, all right, we're going to pay y'all $10 to get the fuck out of here so we yeah, can bring someone in here who's actually serious you. about this? Yeah, you don't get to be engaged to on live TV for being a shithead. <laughs> you don't get a reward. Oh, we pronounce it Fuck shitty. that. Oh. <laughs> fuck off. Okay. So I'm looking for two for sure. For four, for sure, two other guys. Yeah, because there's some guys on here I don't recognize, which makes me wonder if they're going to bring even more people. Or maybe these are just some... Yeah, maybe she sent a lot of guys home the first night. But there's two prominent guys. Well, and I've told you about both of them today, so we'll we'll do that. One of, the, oh. one of the ones is the guy, she was like, you didn't Wikipedia me, you didn't research my life. What? And the other is the guy that was like... I'm not okay with you making other guys strip naked and walk back here. Um, that's not something I want a girl I'm dating to do, so I don't know. If, well, yeah. you, so you just told me it was Joseph and Bennett. It was Joseph. It was not Bennett. Bennett's still around. It wasn't no. Bennett? Oh, I thought he was oh, the Bennett's one. Oh, Bennett's the homie. I like Bennett a lot. Oh, fuck. Okay. Okay, wait. Hang on. Um. So, Joseph was the, the dodgeball guy. Oh, yeah. Yosef was dodgeball guy. This guy here from Daphne, Alabama, who is also an underwear model, but gets mad at Claire for having people strip in public. Well, because he's com- no, because he's comfortable with it. But uh, what he's saying is, you're putting an obligation on them that they may not be comfortable with. And like, I'm okay with it, and I'm okay with voicing my opinion about it. But some other people may think this is just super fuck. So yeah. my boy Yosef. That's the Rooly Geese of the Week. I know we're not doing that segment yet, but hats off. Yes. Beaks, Beaks back. I don't know. I'm going to say Blake Moyne. Oh, you are so close. It is Brandon, my guy right here next to Blake. Uh, oh, fuck. It's Neve's brother? Yeah, it's Neve's brother. Oh, I was sad. I was hoping he would still be Well, yeah. Oh, the girls I was watching with spoke to his attractiveness. Um, I've been looking at Tasha and Claire most of the time. Um Yo, Brandon straight up looks like the like handsome Squidward, but a knee. This version. looks like a just for men. Like I, I don't <laughs> know that this does. isn't on <laughs> a just for men box. Just like, oh dang man, you can't come out for this headshot. Nah, don't worry. We'll shoot your just for men's picture. Like, yeah, we'll take the we'll take the flash of gray or whatever they call it out. Dude, he's really he's got that blue steel going. Oh yeah. Damn. Well. I don't know if we'll check in anymore, especially if this season goes off the rest of the way without a hitch. But, uh, fuck, man. But Claire's mini-season of The Bachelor here was whack. And that's what we'll call this fuck our Claire. mini-season recap. <laughs> Grant, we are back. Yeah, boy, that's fucking right. We got the... NBA kicking off a 72-game 2020-2021 season. My computer is going really slow. On December 22nd. December 22nd. (laughs) Training camp starts officially on December 1st, and teams have had their training facilities open since October 30th with the caveat that they have to stay under... I think it's 10 personnel, like a group of 10 personnel entirely. Mm. It might just be 10 players with a small number of personnel. I don't know the specifics there, but anyway. But you know that Rick and Morty they episode where they, daily. They, the parents come home and they fuck with time and they end up getting taken by the alien outside of the point of time, outside of that realm and dimension? That's where I kind of feel like yeah, we I'm are. following you. With the NBA. Because, like, look back at our pod a couple weeks ago. I was like, damn, this season's already ended, and it's already, what, October? December 1st is three weeks away. December 22nd is yeah, a month and up. a half. And it feels like this season yeah, just a month ended. and a half out. Exactly. Exactly. It's, it... <laughs> 
granted, it does suck a little bit for the players who are probably looking forward to a little bit longer of an off season, um, and you know, just downtime. But but that being said, I think ultimately a lot of because we're hearing a lot of pushback from medical personnel over such a quick turnaround. Like players, obviously, but at the end of the day, I think a lot of these star players are just ready to play again, regardless of when it happens. But these medical personnel are really not pushing for it to be pushed. Like, it's agreed upon at this point. There's no going back. But they are questioning not only what some of these teams who played in the bubble are going to be looking like after a short recovery, but also what some of these teams who haven't played since March are going to look like on such a short turnaround of... So they announced this this week. Maybe you get an extra three or four days head start from where we are now. But, I mean, you're straight up a month and a half. You're 75 days away from games at best. I mean, my argument there is I get it, but at a certain point, you are getting paid millions of dollars. And the league has been pretty heavy-handed in their releases kind of signaling that players and coaches and people might want to stay in the loop and specifically in shape during all of this. You don't want to just treat this like the rest of us are and go fuck off for eight months and gain 20 pounds of fat and lose all your muscle mass, you know? Yeah, I I think on the spectrum of NFL, NBA, MLB, MLB's definitely in the middle of the amount of physical effort on your body, um, NBA or NFL is a lot unless of, you're a pitcher or a catcher. Yeah, you're you're not doing anything you're at the, in baseball. You're at the bottom of that Maybe scale. Maybe you get yeah. hit by a pitch and you're a little sore, but you're more sore from your workouts than from actually playing the sport. Where on the other hand, you're yeah. more likely again unless you're yeah, a pitcher. Exactly. On the other hand, you're more likely to have a deep bone bruise because someone ran downhill at you and tackled you in the NFL. So. I'm not saying you're not going to get that in the NFL, in the NBA, but you're going to have that chance every play in the NFL. So I I do agree that these these guys do need some time off. They need to recover. I think this is going to be a great this is going to be a good step forward in terms of health of athletes seeing if the length of the season really does come into account as much as some people say it does. Um, I know there's been a lot of flack some people LeBron has taken for sitting games out, things like that. Um, Yeah, it's kind of fucked up, but it's like, I'm really excited because this season feels like an experiment. It does. Even more so than last People are the test subjects, but yeah, no, yeah. Well, it's because, like you're saying, it's got that shortened season, um, the quick turnaround, and the Christmas start date. Like, those are... Three things that, you know, people haven't been talking about adding a quick turnaround. They've been talking about lengthening the turnaround. But this will give us a good gauge of if, you know, like you're saying, if we get to the end of the season, it's like, yeah, well, we've got eight out of our 30 best players who are out <laughs> mm-hmm. on injuries. Maybe we should lengthen the offseason a little bit. Right, yeah. Regardless of how many games we're playing. And maybe, maybe the flip side of that coin. What if February gets here and we realize that injuries in the league has – been bumped up by 30 percent 40 percent are we going to stop the season and say okay maybe we need a little longer or is it too late at that point it's going to be interesting I mean, to monitor. i think it that will be interesting i haven't thought about that i would think at that point they would most likely fast track like some the mid-season break that they're talking about with the mm. like the tournament have you heard about this i hadn't lately i know that we've the NBA's tossed around ideas of a mid-season tournament for a while, yeah. Which this does yeah, seem like no, a great so I could see them spot like, to start that. Exactly. If they needed that extra break, I'm sure they have something. Like, I mean, with the bubble finished, they have the proof of concept for a let's pause the season and start a you know month-long tournament to give everybody some time to recoup and recover. But um, I had a really good point, but I lost it entirely i think it'll be really interesting regardless i'm really excited for the christmas start christmas is one of my favorite nba days Christmas uniforms hopefully nike i know oh well with oh with they made that switch what like two years ago well i mean with nike they made that switch two years ago and i think now they've nailed down how to make sure the jerseys don't rip 
mid-game. I forgot like that was an first issue with them. <laughs> Yeah. So, you know, maybe they're ready to move forward into Christmas jerseys. Mm-hmm. I really hope But that. speaking of moving forward, the Oklahoma City Thunder have a new coach, Mark Dagonalt. Um, this is a really interesting hire. This is the most Sam Presti hire I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. This uh, Mark Dagnalt was the Oklahoma City Blue. That's the Thunder's G League team coach. He coached there for five years, won three division titles, had a winning percentage of a bit below um, a bit below six hundred. Even worked for the former coach. Um, I love this move so much for the Thunder for several reasons. First of all. Until Presti does something wrong, no matter what he does, I'm going to agree with it. Number two. And Presti, we trust. Yeah, scared money don't make none. Number two. All the guys on the Thunder who are very much gearing up towards a multi-year rebuild, no Coach Dagnall. No Coach D. We're going to call him Coach D. Um, yeah. They played with him. They've coached – or they've – had him be his coach. They know what he's about. They know what his style is. They know what he likes to run. They know the game time decisions he makes. Coach Dean knows his guys, and these are his guys because they were all on his team with minor exceptions within the last five years. Yeah, because at least a lot of them. I don't know if all of them, you know, like Danilo and Shay and Chris and even like Adams haven't been obviously, but like Dort and... Not a great example, but like campaign, for example, was on that team for a little bit, and I, I agree one hundred. Like on that side, I agree one hundred percent. Yeah. Oh, I forgot Fergie was on there. That's a great point. And you know, I think I agree with you one hundred percent. I worry a little bit that um, everybody, us included, might be putting too much stock into his win rate as a G League coach. But there's two really important things that you touched on that I think really make this a big hire. And one being that whether or not he can actually coach like real players and is good with a real team that's constructed to win in the NBA rather than the G League. I mean, the dude has a winning record in the G League, which is usually reserved for the project players or the shitty players. I mean, it sucks, but let's be honest. And he has proven to have success with those players not only that but developing them he showed a year by year um, incremental increase in his win percentage and so even if he's not the coach that we win a championship with he's the coach that we need right now to develop the players that we have further Mm -hmm. to get us to the point of winning a championship outside of that just like you're saying he's sam presti's guy he's a thunder guy not only has he been with the team already for five years but he was the coach that i mean he didn't he was the coach that brought the oklahoma city blue to oklahoma city from tulsa up until 2014 they had played in tulsa and he joined them as they came to okc and so he already has the um I wouldn't assume that he has the locker room just because so many of those players hadn't played for him as being part of the G League, or at least so many of those stars. But he already has the culture ingrained into him. Mm-hmm. He, I mean, he's, at this point, you know, dyed blue OKC till he dies, it seems like, at least until they fire him or he leaves. Which I, That doesn't seem like it's going to happen since he just got here. And so. I think that's another thing. Or just got here to head is coach. He's the easiest fire Presti will ever have, too. If in three years exactly. we look up and we put together a ten and sixty-two season, a ten and seventy-two season, and a twelve and seventy mm. season, it's the easiest. Out here breaking records, baby. Didn't work out. It's not like if well, you got Doc now, Rivers in here, you have to give him a chance. No, you're right. But the other, like the flip side of that is, it's also brilliant because he could become the next Nick Nurse, mm-hmm. who is secretly like a personnel planning and scheming god who's just been stuck riding benches for a few years and so yeah no i'm i'm really excited about the hire i obviously don't know much about the guy i know that he came from our system and that presty and i mean i would assume the team trusts him you don't hire a head coach usually without consulting players so i'm if i mean if that's where it's at if they trust him i trust him and he's got the resume to back it up so i'm i'm here for it yeah i think Worst case, this goes like the Cowboys, where 
Um, they just didn't have enough time to get ready for the season and learn the new system. But again, with Coach yeah, D having we'll so much that. experience, yeah, yeah the, we'll call it that. Cowboys. Yeah, the Cowboys are a. Yeah. I was gonna say a twelve and four team, but even I can't say that with a straight face. <laughs> yeah. Let's but, get back to basketball. But also, the only the other the thing Thunder, is we've got. I oh. I don't know what team Dagonald is gonna land with. Uh, we we still have Chris Paul. We yeah we we've made no roster moves, and right when the season ended, everyone was like, "Damn, wonder what the Thunder are gonna do this off season." It looked like we were tooling up for a whole rebuild, but. Looks like we may not even make roster changes. I don't know. There's been some rumors lately swirling about Chris Paul to the Suns. What do you think of those? Yeah, I mean, those kind of came out today. I think I think if he doesn't go to the Suns, I mean, we can field another playoff team next year and be fine. Like, what's the harm in that? You know, like, why – to me, why – and that's got to be what Presti's thinking too. Why force a trade somewhere that isn't a good fit? when he still has another year and he can still develop Shea. Um, but all that being said, the trade at hand, um, yeah, I think it was this morning or yesterday, Chris Paul was given permission to go work out with the Suns. So this is seems pretty likely. Seems like at least the biggest, most likely move that we have right now. Um, I don't think it makes the Suns all that much better. I know he made a huge difference at OKC, but I think the major difference is that the OKC players – are hungry and ready to be taught and ready to learn. I don't get the same vibes from DeAndre Ayton and Devin. You mean Booker. you think Frank Comiskey isn't ready to hear what Chris Paul has to say? That's the yeah, like even Comiskey, he came from being the top dog at a Wisconsin team. Like none of those guys, the reason to me the Suns team hasn't really had a ton of success is because none of those guys come from a culture of the team over the individual. If mm-hmm. that makes sense. At a certain Whereas point, or even like at Wisconsin, where Comiskey did. named after him in the Wisconsin Zoo. That's not going to go straight to your well, head. Well, see, that's what I'm saying is like, yeah, exactly. Like, even with him, even with a, what was a middling Wisconsin team that was punching up that year, like, he still became the guy for that team, you know? Mm-hmm. So, I think, I think for the Suns, it doesn't make any fucking sense. Um to lose what will probably be at least two picks along with Rubio, um, today I saw yeah Rubio and Ubre which I don't hate for us like I I think there's better trades to be had later in the season but I mean put Ricky Rubio who's still serviceable who's still more than serviceable 16,000 over 3 years that's not bad Nah, you 16 million or, yeah 16 million we could okay. also go get campaign back See, I never, I didn't, I didn't like him though. I brought him up. But he danced example, with Russ. Can... No, that. Yeah, we don't have Russ. Send <laughs> yeah. him to the Rockets. <laughs> true, true. But, and I like Ubre. I see. My thing is, I want. Can we get Chris, or did he go to the the Warriors? Or am I making that up? Marquise oh. Chris. Let's see. Because if we're if we're giving up Chris Paul and. Any shot at being relevant for the next couple he of years? He is on the Warriors, yeah. Oh, he is? Okay. Yeah, never mind then. I definitely, I, yeah, I want Ubre. I want Rubio. Um, I would like a third player. I don't know who else is worth it that's not just a, like, a cap table anchor. Oh, give me but... a pick, because the if the Suns do this trade, they oh, are no. downhill, and I want that pick from them. We're, if, if this trade happens to me... I'm accepting no less than Rubio, Ubre, and two first rounders. Okay. That's non negotiable. I, I think I saw one. Like, okay, you want Chris Paul? Sign him at the end of the season. I mean, otherwise. Pay Let me up. throw it in the machine here. But I think I saw one that was Steven Adams and Chris Paul for Ubre, Rubio, and two picks, and it passed the trade machine. What the fuck? I wouldn't give up Adams either without getting back Aiton. I mean. That's just common sense. I w- honestly though. Look here, I'll plug in Rubio. Plug in, yeah, plug in Rubio, um, Ubre, Adams for, or sorry, Rubio, Ubre, and Aiton for Chris Paul and Stephen Adams. 
Because I would make that trade. Right. I would hate giving up Stevie. The Suns oh, are over right, no the luxury tax threshold with this rule. We would have to cut yeah, twelve million dollars off. Uh... Steve Wakes may, makes way too much to be tradable. Twenty six thousand. What he does over two years. Yeah. Yeah. They signed him to a four year hundred million dollar deal back in like twenty. Would have been twenty eighteen now. I think this is wild. I love him, but that's. Way overpaying. So, actually, you know what? Real quick, before we move on to the next trade, I do want to roll back and take away a little bit of credit from Presti because he's consistently overpaid hometown heroes. Gotcha. Which, at a certain point when you're in Oklahoma, you're going to need to. But Collison's a different story. I mean, he started the franchise. But, like, Steven Adams is not worth $25 million a year, scaling up to 27 or 28 in his last year, mm-hmm. you know? Um, but, but anyway, on to the next trade. We're looking at, um, so this morning, I think it was this morning, either this morning or yesterday, uh, stories started to come out about Harden and Westbrook being worried that their Houston team would not stick together and that the Knicks or the Clippers are both interested in acquiring one, if not both of them. What are your thoughts on that, Luke? I would love to get Westbrook into that division playing Kevin Durant four times a year in a New York City rivalry. He would pretend like it's a New York City rivalry, but we would all know. Um, Dude. I just want... No, but can you imagine... Russ playing the majority of his games at Madison Square Garden? It just seems right. I hadn't been on board until I thought about that. Until, like... Yeah. Oh! And that zero Knicks jersey, that's always a good number that looks good in a Knicks jersey. Knicks jerseys are clean. I'll give them who, that. Who'd they hire again? Uh, Fuck, who did they hire? I don't know. Let's see. But, yeah. Oh. 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 They've got Tom Thibodeau. Oh. Who I think would mesh perfectly with Russ. Because we wouldn't yeah. have that over-practicing Zach Levine shit. It... Yeah, Westbrook. Westbrook would do all Thibodeau's dirty work for him. Damn. Damn. Think of how in shape Harden would be, though, if he went over there. Harden's not. Now that I know it's Tom Thibodeau, I was going to entertain Harden going to the Knicks, but 100% Harden would never do that. And Russ deserves it. I think Harden's most... Oh, no, 100%. Um, It being living in New York City and getting to be big city bright light star of Madison. Yeah, I mean, his face would be somewhere on Madison Square Garden. I love this. Yeah, no, this was a good yardstick year for, like, this year, in my opinion, was a good yardstick year on if he is still serviceable as a third or even, like, a fourth best player on a championship team. And though he had moments, I think he's just pure athleticism at this point, and that needs to be his focus. That and then doing, like, a Vince Carter, like, I'm a veteran mentor to these young players. I could see Russ really settling into that well at the Knicks if that happens. Yeah, let's see who would be on that roster there with Julius Randle. I know that's, that's the thing. we gotta, we got to get Russ some help there. Well, that's the other thing is if they're going to trade for him, who do they trade for? I mean, because you're not giving up. Randall is the only other good player you have right now, I think. Harkless? Eh? Even that's not ideal? I mean, I think I think you could give up Dennis Smith Jr., R.J. Barrett, Taj Gibson, and... <laughs> Ship your whole pick. rookie class. Oh, that's, um, that's But so if true. you're trading the Rockets, all you really have to give up is picks. Which, again, what, what picks see, do they have? But Well, see, it depends because if you're trading... If you're trading to a Rockets that a Rockets team that still has James Harden and is still poised to make a run, then you've got to send them players. So that's why I'm looking at like Dennis Smith Jr. for sure. I think would click into that system well, and he'd really let James take an off-ball but still like be in control presence. Mm-hmm. Whereas with Russ. 
Harden can work off ball, but he knows in those situations in the back of his mind, he's like, yeah, I'm not in control. I can ask for the ball here, and Russ may or may not pass it to me. But if he's got Dennis Smith Jr., who's on his fourth team in like six years, at that point, you're going to need to be uh, not bowing, but at least paying respect to Harden. Harden's still in control of that team, even if Dennis Smith becomes the ball handler for him. I guess even my concern, though, is, like, how many... Oh, they have... Okay, okay, so... Let me let me give you this. Let's do um, Frank Nielakina, Alfred Payton, and Kevin Knox with two picks, a first-rounder, and then, like, a... I want to say a second-rounder, but I don't know if that would get the deal done. Okay, yeah. So, Alfred Payton, Frank Nielakina, Kevin Knox a first-rounder, and a second-round pick for Russ. Do you take that deal as Houston? Yeah. Yeah, I do. Did that work out in the machine? Oh, Is that what you're let doing? Let me put it in. Uh, we got Frank. Oh, it we like got Knox. Who else? Oh, Peyton. And who is that last one? Yeah. Uh, then just two picks. So it's just Russ as long as the salaries line up. The pick option isn't showing up on my iPad. Um. Whack. Yeah, it fails, but just because of some salary rule. So all we have to do is cut some salary. Um, yeah, find an exception. I know Russ is making value. a fuck ton. So, yeah, yeah which... You're going to have to add another player to that. Taj, maybe. I don't know what he's making, but... I There's a deal to be made. I don't know if it makes Houston any better. I think there's definitely a lot of deals to be made that make them a lot worse. The interesting question is... Obviously, in the public, as a Houston team that has both James Harden and Russell Westbrook, you're not going to be publicly shopping either of those when you're still trying to make a run in the eyes of your fan base. But when James Harden is at the, I would say, the peak right before he probably starts declining in the next few years, he is at the most tradable part of his career. And with a new GM, with a new coach, with an owner who um, seems risk-averse, to put it gently, do they blow it up after 10 straight years of almost getting there to try again in an unknown amount of time, or do they keep hard? I, I don't know, because I don't know if I don't know if you can get back to almost getting there. Well, the way I look at it is, like, you don't have Daryl Moore anymore, so you're not going to have the consistent level of competition that you've been putting forth for the last 10 years. It's just not going to happen without someone that savvy and that ready to make the moves with an owner who's also willing to trust them. You have a new owner with a new GM, with a new head coach. There's, They all may like each other and work great, but there's no trust where the GM can look at an owner and say, I want to make this trade because I believe in this player and this will deliver us this. That owner's going to be like, yeah, fuck off, man. I'm not paying an extra however many it is on a hunch from this guy I hired three months ago, that if I fire you in another three months and this player's still under contract with us for two years, like that's on me. Like, if they have an owner who's thinking that way, you know how much, how much can you really expect to field a team that successful again at all? Yeah. At a certain point, that owner just is going to rest on his laurels and say, "I have an NBA team that's maybe not selling out every night, but is pretty damn close to it and can put a team out there that is still going to make me money." So. Mm. I, True. I I think there's something to be said. I think they maybe give it. It really just I think it depends on how the season starts. I would put it fifty fifty. Westbrook starts in a Rockets uniform, and still probably about eighty percent that Harden starts in a Rocket uniform. Yeah, I I'd agree with that. But do you? Those are really the only two big like personnel trade rumors. The other ones, I guess there's another one. That is has to do with the Pelicans, but the next biggest trade is, uh, or at least trade rumors that we've been hearing about today, has to do with Minnesota trying to get another lottery pick. Heard that the Hawks' number six pick is in their crosshairs, and this kind of goes in step mm. with the next trade we're going to. Yeah, we're is there a win now move for Trey Young? So, I think I don't know if it's win now because. Really, the rumor is that if they make that trade, they're getting back Jarrett Culver and the 17th pick from Minnesota. And 
I'll take a guaranteed Jarrett Culver over a, you know, crapshoot of a draft this year. What really makes this trade interesting is the next trade rumor is that Drew Holiday might be on his way out from NOLA and end up in Atlanta. And to me, if they make a trade for both Drew Holiday and for Jarrett Culver while only moving back nine spots on the draft this year, that's not only a win for this offseason, that also positions them to be really jostling for top spot in the East next year. I think they're top three team after those two moves. That's the Hawks. What do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, I think anyone has the potential to be a top three team in the East. Um, That's a good point. That's a good point. But but I do I, – I Like, going through it, it's like, yeah. It just feels like the Hawks' chance again now that they've fixed those shitty uniforms they had, now that they've gotten some people around Trey, now that Vince Carter has imparted all his wisdom to there. feels like – Mm. What a beautiful man. Feels like this team is about to grow up and leave the house, and this is that food out the door. See, I want to agree with you, but I also worry that this is going to be Suns West, where it's like you have all these great young players, but none of them have any direction and really no sense of control on the court, and they could just flounder for the next five years. So, But, yeah. I think I think these moves though. I think Jarrett Culver. I think whoever the fuck they get with the seventeenth pick and Drew Holiday makes them a really interesting team if they're able to keep the core that they had this year together. Um, I mean, outside of that though, NBA has been pretty light this year. Yeah. That's really the only legitimate rumors we have. I mean, maybe some of Rudy Gobert, the likely trade candidates, like. I th- and yeah, I think that's I mean, just based on the fact that he gave that whole team corona and really is the start of this pandemic in America. If it wasn't for Rudy Gobert getting yeah. COVID, we don't shut down that day. The NBA doesn't shut down that day. We keep going at least. I mean, we were biding our time there. But Rudy Gobert is really the person that started the pandemic in America. Yes, yeah, I'd argue that he saved America also by getting sick. By shutting That's everything true. down, how many how many deaths did we prevent in that extra week? Hmm. But in terms of free agency this year, there's, especially compared to the last couple of years, there's just not a lot mm-hmm. out there. Like Anthony Davis, I guess, but he's obviously going back to the Lakers. Uh, Brandon Brandon Ingram is, I guess, the next best name. Up. Fred Van yeah, but Fleet. even he is isn't he restricted? Hang yeah, on. Ingram's restricted. Yeah, Brandon Ingram's restricted anyway, and so he's basically guaranteed to stay at the Pelicans unless someone goes out and pays him some dumb amount of money. Um, I know you had some hang about hang ups about Fred Van Vliet. The one thing I'll say is that I think he's a little overrated, and unfortunately for him, usually that means he's going to get paid more than what he's worth. Being in this COVID off season, I don't know what the caps look like. I think they've announced that, but I haven't really stayed too plugged into the financials. At least how it's shrinking compared to last year. And so I worry that even though I think he is sorely overrated for looking into a Toronto team that needed someone who could be even just a little bit streaky for him, um, I worry that he's not going to get what he thinks he deserves this year and be locked into a multi-year deal much lower than at least his um, his career on paper would show that he deserves. Yeah, and I mean, I'm looking at him on paper, and it's not all too impressive. Um, averages 17.6 over his career, but in the regular season. But That's not bad. 19.6 postseason. That ain't bad. See, that's the shit that I would look at if I was a GM. I'd be like, okay... So can this person be serviceable? 17 and a half, like, that's nothing to shake your ass at, man. That's a solid third player, if not the second best player on most non-contenders right now. Even on a lot of contenders. Like, if he went to Philly, dude, automatically that team is contending for top on the East. He's not, he's, now he's not going to swing a team like, say, Chicago. But <laughs> well, no one can help teams Chicago. where they need that extra Hopefully Billy Donovan can, but... 
Yeah. But, like, I mean, he would do amazing with the Lakers. I think someone with his his shooting on Houston. Like, those are the teams that I think are really going to feel his presence. Um, you know, a big part of me is like, hey, why don't the Thunder keep Chris Paul, sign my boy Fred, lock this shit down for a few years, and see what we can make happen. I The, I the Thunder that. would have shooting for the first time since Durant. Since fucking effort. Oh, yeah. Um, oh yeah, so I, I mean, there's some interesting options. I ultimately gut call right now. Is he staying in Toronto or is he going somewhere? He's staying else? in Toronto. I think he's staying in Toronto too. Only it's if only it's to too, get the payday that he deserves. And it's too eh of a situation. Eh, it's too just above eh of a situation for him to leave. Like you, you'd be hard pressed yeah. to find a better offer, and at that point, your salary's going to go down. Yeah. I, I think he stays. Yeah. I think he rides it out with Nick Nurse. I don't think he stays next free agency. See, that's the thing that I'm thinking of is like, I could also see him just betting on himself, doing like a one and one in Toronto. So he gets the option to leave next year, but he can also be there for two years. And it gives him the option to capitalize on either next year's cap or the year yeah. after that's cap. Because he's only 26. Him, yeah, exactly. He's young, and if. I expect him to continue playing this way. If I was him, I would do a, a one-on-one at Toronto, but ultimately stay there. Um, next up is my boy Danilo Gallinari. He is apparently the next best free agent this year. So, yeah, I'm going down this list I, of free agents. We got Gallinari. We got Gordon Hayward, who was at least happy. If is, he can turn into the semblance of the player he was. Um, here's all I'm saying. If this free agency class was like five years ago, it'd be balls to the fucking wall. Andre Drummond, DeMar DeRozan, <laughs> Montrezl Harrell, yeah. I guess. And Jeremy Grant would have been like 16, but he's also a free agent. Exactly, yeah. But I think he fell top 10. Anyway, so, but next up, so Danilo Gallinari, I, he's a, is he still at the Thunder? He is, I mean, not anymore, but he was at the Thunder, right? Yeah. Okay, I couldn't remember if we traded him. I mean, what all the contenders, who can't use a serviceable defender on the wing who can shoot threes over anyone who's 6'7 or shorter? That's that's true. I, I want the Thunder to keep him. I would rather... I want the Thunder our, to keep him too. Would rather us set a future and go with that and then figures out if he fits into it or not, but he, he's a fun guy to have on I team. mean... I agree. The problem with that is like it works well, it works great from the team side, but from the player side, you don't want to sign a three year deal, buy a house in OKC, and then two months later the team decides you're not part of their plan. So like I get it if he's ready to move on to somewhere. I would assume that this will be his last or his second to last contract. Mm. So he's trying to he's see. probably trying to sign three, four years and then just be done or go back to Europe and play. Um I mean Lakers, Clippers, Philly, they could all use him. I really like the idea of him playing with the Lakers, though I hate the idea of them winning again. And I think him going to the Lakers would definitely signal a pretty significant boost to their shooting. Yeah, for real. Oh, he is 32. Huh. He seems like yeah. Van Vliet's so, age. Van Vliet's age. And Van Vliet seems like Gallinari's age. I thought Van Vliet was old as shit, man. Yeah, I did, Turns too. out he's young as hell. Yeah. Mm. But let's see who else we got on this list. Jeremy Grant. I always liked him as a Thunder player. I hope he ends up somewhere good. Um, Where do you think Evan... Dude, I want him to stay at the Nuggets. That is the perfect team That height lineup. He's just... Ooh. Oh, God, dude. And if he can get that shooting worked out, he's shown flashes here and there. And, like, even in OKC, he'd have those random six three-point... Like, three three-point shots made games. Mm-hmm. You know oh, what yeah. I'm trying to say. Um, where you could see, like, man, if he can just get the consistency and what I think is, like, a little bit of nerves or, like, anxiety around the moment, if mm-hmm. that makes sense. Like, if he can get that under... Oh, weird. That Denver... I want him to stay at Denver. But, um, I'm yeah. sorry, who are you asking uh, about next? What, what do you think's going to happen with Evan Fortier down there in Orlando? Oh, I think you know what I think is going to happen with Evan Fournier down there in Orlando. I think Evan 
needs to accept his player option, opt in to play with the Magic this year. Why? And then immediately, and then immediately, the Magic need to get on the phone with the Warriors. Yep, just like that. Pick up the phone. Say these words. Wiggins, Draymond, number two pick. Four, Evan Fournier, Aaron Gordon, Vucevic, Vic, Vic, and nothing else. I thought there was something else I had to add on to that. No, nothing else. But that's what I think Evan Fournier should do. He should sign a deal with the Magic that has a clause in it that says, I go back to being a free agent unless I can get traded to the Warriors. Otherwise, I think he should take a pay cut, opt out of his player option, and go play for a championship team because that dude deserves a ring. He's not going to get it in Orlando. Not at all. He, he, whether or not he deserves a ring, he deserves to play on a better team for the last part of his career and at least get remembered in these conversations about good shooters and good guards because playing in Orlando for most of, if not all of his career, has left him sorely out of the spotlight. And though he's not the most talented player in the league on any other team that was getting even a little bit of clout around it, whether that's media or just through winning, he would be listed in the, the league's top 10 point no, guards or shooting guards. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think if he, if he isn't able to get a dream situation of being traded to the Warriors, if I was, let me put it this way. He can shoot well. If I was even a good shooter, I'd every free agency be looking to take a pay cut and go to the Warriors. Why wouldn't you? You're in the Bay. Exactly. I mean, you're gonna get a ring. Yeah, you're mm-hmm. you're either gonna get a ring or play on the biggest stage, and either way, that's gonna make more money for you. So, on top of just fitting perfectly in that system, you can go there and be like, "All right, I'm gonna be asked to shoot and run around and defend people." That's it. Yeah. Like, oh, no. Yeah, so I agree. I, think... I, I want him to go to the Warriors. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But either way, I think we're in for a really fun NBA season. Anyway, I'm flying south. All right, well, wings up, boys.